Ah, there's an athlete turned inspirational speaker that, that is quoted as saying this. The most important conversation that you'll ever have are the ones that you have with yourself. You wake up with them, you walk around with them, you go to bed with them, and eventually you act on them whether they are good or whether they are bad. I would present to you that he's right. He's right, but only with one condition in place. He's only right if you're your own God. If you're your own God, then the most important conversations that you'll ever have are with yourself. Because if you're your own God, then the only one that understands you is you. The only one that has the answers that you need is you. And the only one that can change anything in your life is you. Man, that's scary as all get out, isn't it? I mean, if I'm the one that, if I'm the only one that understands me, oh my. If I'm the one that has the answers that I'm looking for, whoa. And if I'm the only one that can change my life, and guess what? My life's going to get changed in a horrible, terrible, messed up kind of way. So, yeah, the most important conversation you'll ever have is with yourself, but only if you are your own God. And that may sound silly to a lot of people, being your own God, but I would present to you that most people are their own God. Most people are their own God. See, you've, you've heard me use this analogy before, but it's so fitting here today. See, there's a throne in our life. It's the throne of our life. And whoever sits in the throne of our life is the one that rules our life. And everybody's got one because your life is like a mini kingdom unto itself. And somebody's in charge of it. And somebody's the one that's dictating it. And somebody's the one that's planning it. And somebody's the one that's controlling every aspect of your life. Man, somebody is sitting on the throne of your life. Somebody is. And way too often, the one that occupies the throne of our life is us. I sit my big stupid self on the throne of my life as if I've done a really good job managing it thus far. You know, I hope that my, and, I, and I've said this before, but like I said, it's so fitting. I, I hope that my husband would say, I mean, excuse me, I hope that my wife would say I'm a good husband. Yeah. Hey, I have a wife and I can prove it. I hope that my wife would say that I'm a really good husband. I know that my kids say I'm an awesome dad. I, I, I think some of our players would say that I'm their favorite football coach. And I'm even an okay preacher most of the time, I think. But I'm a terrible God. A terrible, terrible God. Because I have terrible ideas. Terrible ideas. And my follow-through is also terrible. I act on my emotions way too often instead of the truth. And I make really, really bad decisions with my life. Look, the best that I could possibly do with my life got me locked up, got me dependent upon all kinds of things that were not God, got me half dead and left out there in the darkness just squirming and just crying out for just anything. I mean, the best that I could do with my, with my life got me half dead and headed for hell. Can you say amen? And yet, for some reason, I still want to occupy this chair way too much. When the most important conversation that I could ever have can't be with me, because I don't even understand me. I mean, do you understand you, really? I mean, do you know why you do the things you do? 
Do you know why you make the decisions that you make? Do you ever find yourself in a situation and go, how did I get here? How did I get here? What string of decisions did I make? What bunch of mistakes did I make until I found myself here? And then when you find yourself there, do you have the answers that you need? Do you? I mean, do you go, huh? Like the thinker, right? You're like, huh? How do I get myself out of this mess this time? Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I've done that before. You know what I came up with? Nothing. Or the, the, the times when I, I mean, just to, to talk about my own life, man, the, the times that I found myself out there drowning in the sea of sin, and it's been many times in my life, times that I found myself out there drowning in that garbage, I would try my best to fight my way to shore. Do you understand my analogy? Because the stormy seas of sin is something that we can visualize, and they're dark, and they're roaring, and they're trying to suck us under. And I felt myself out there just like doggy paddling for dear life. And I would try myself to fight my way to shore so that I could get out of all that mess myself. And you know what I did? I got caught in a current of it and found myself washed out further and further and further and further. And my best efforts got me worse off than I was when I started. Can you say amen? I see people nodding going, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. So I don't have the, man, man, I don't understand me or why I do things. I don't have the answers to the questions that need answering once I get there. And like I said, dude, I've tried to change myself. I've tried to be a better person. I've tried to stop sinning. I've tried to, to be a better uh, husband to my wife. Make sure I get it right. I'm the husband. She's the wife. I get confused because last night I had to explain to a bunch of teenage boys why they're the bride of Christ. Right? They were like, what? It's true. He's the one that provides for us, protects us, guides us, and directs us. Come on, somebody say amen. Yes, hallelujah. I've tried to be a better, better dad to my kids, you know? I mean, I've tried to be a better pastor of the church, and you know what happens? Every single time, it falls apart right in my hands. It seems like sometimes that everything I touch crumbles to dust. You know why everything that I touch crumbles to dust? I'm the opposite of King Midas, right? So instead of everything turning to gold that I touch, everything I touch turns to garbage. You know why? I'm showing you right now. Because my seat is in this seat, and I'm not the one that belongs in this chair. You're not the one that belongs in the throne of your life. And if you sit there, then your life is going to turn out just like mine does when I sit in it. And you're going to find yourself in a situation going, how did I get here again? And then you're going to find you looking in yourself going, okay, how do I get out of here? And you're going to have no idea. And then you're going to be like, okay, maybe I can change it. And it's an epic, epic failure. Epic failure. You ever go, you ever, your teenagers ever have you go to YouTube and type in epic fails? And you'll see some of the funniest stuff that you've ever seen in your life, man. People stepping on rakes and stuff and like trying to do backflips on bikes and landed on their head. I mean, that, that's a picture of my life, right? When I try to do it on my own. It is, man. I mean, I preached about it last week, right? I, I think it was last week. Like I'm the one that ties my shoelaces together. I'm the one that throws the banana peel out in front of me, man. I'm the one that pours the marbles all over the floor. Every time I fall down, you know whose fault it is? Mine. 
Mine? Mine? The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He just offered it to you. He didn't make you do a dadgum thing. He just put it out there in front of you. And you know who did it? I did. Taking the bait is not the devil's fault. Taking the bait is my fault. Every single time. And I'm way, way, way too easy. I'm like that fish that has been caught over and over. You ever catch a fish and you can see the scars in its mouth because it's been caught 20 times? It's like, dude, you're dumb. We'll catch him again next week. That's the way the demons are when they're like, oh, here he comes again. <laughs> Watch this. We'll put the bait out there a little bit more. And then, man, when I, when I get, you know, when, when I... When I and, and caught up, I'm like, no, nah, man, that's that stinky liver bait. You know what I mean? That's the devil, right? I'm not going nowhere near that stuff. Oh, a worm, you know? Yeah, because when you figure out one way, he just comes at you another way. So I present to you today that the most important conversation that you will have is not with yourself. The most important conversation that you'll ever have in your life is with the only one that can understand. The most important conversation that you will ever have in your life is with the only one that has the answers. The most important conversation that you will ever have in your life is with the only one that can change things. The only one that can change you. The only one that can make anything different. The most important conversation that you will ever have in your life is with the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God, and the Lion of Judah. The most important conversation that you will ever have is with our God and king our savior our everything yeah man give him praise because he deserves it and if you would stand to your feet for the reading of god's word today make sure i'm in the camera shot i know i'm all over the place today i'm a little fired up in case you haven't noticed i'm in the book of psalms psalm 86 psalm 86 man this is a psalm of David, a prayer. In my, my, my Bible, it's titled A Prayer of David. You know, you know the one, right? Little fella that brought some sandwiches to his brothers. Ended up walking out there and doing something that nobody else could do. The only one that wasn't afraid to stare down that giant. The only one that was able to stand up for all the people of God. The only one that was able to stand in place for God. The king of Israel, the greatest king of Israel, and yet one that fell into sin just like we do. He saw a woman, decided he wanted her. I guarantee you he didn't talk to God about it. You know who told him to do that? David. David. Yeah. He said, you know what? I understand what I want. Oh, I've got the answers on how to do it. And then he went and did it, and then he was like, how am I going to get out of this? And he made things worse. But God forgave him. And God empowered him to do incredible things. He'll do the same thing for us. Psalm 86, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this. Listen, Lord. Some of the older versions, maybe if you're looking at the King James or something, it says, bend your ear. Bend your ear to me, O Lord. Bend your ear to me, O Lord. Please, God, listen to me and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Protect my life, for I am faithful. Your translation may say holy, but that word holy doesn't mean that he's saying I am holy. No, it means that I'm seeking after you. I'm faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. 
Bring joy to your servant's life because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress for you will answer me. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made come will come and bow down before you, Lord. We'll honor your name for you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great, and you will rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you worshiping you in the spirit and the truth. And God, we pray that you would bend your ear to us, God, that you would hear us this morning, for we are poor and needy and we are nothing without you. And so God, this morning, we pray that you will hear us, God, and that you will come to us, God, and that you will meet our needs, God. But more than that, I pray this morning that you create an undivided heart in us, God, that we would stop seeking after the things of the world and that everything in us would align with everything that you are, Father, for that is our prayer. That is our prayer, God. Align our hearts with your hearts. And once those two things are aligned, God, I know without a shadow of a doubt, everything else will fall into place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give God a shout of praise at the Way Church this morning? Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. David says, I've got nothing without you, God. I've got nothing without you. I'm poor and needy. God, I need you to listen to me, because without you, I don't have anything. You're talking about a king saying this. A king writing this. He's got everything. What do you mean you're poor and needy? You're a rich man. You don't need for nothing. you got servants and gold and all the things that the world has to offer. And you know what? If you've got servants and gold and all the things the world has to offer, wait, let's, let's rephrase that a little bit. If you've got a big old bank account and you've got all the new iPhones and a brand new Maserati, you know what you've got? Nothing. Nothing. If you don't have God, you don't got Nothing. And yeah, man, we, we need to have some resources to live life. But I want to tell you that we need to come to the same realization that King David came to. Without God, we've got nothing. Uh, nothing. All that stuff amounts to nothing. Man, the Word of God says that, that everything will crumble to dust. And nothing will be left except three things. Faith and hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. And 1 John 4 and 8 says that God is love. And so at the end of the day, the only thing that's left is love because the only thing that's left is God. And so when we're at the end of our rope, the only thing that we have is God. And even when we're at the top of our rope, I need you to understand this too. The only thing that we have is God. When everything's going good, all you've got is God. When everything's going bad, all you've got is God. When you're stuck in the middle somewhere and you're just going through the motions, guess what? All you've got is God. And so we need to cry out to God like this every opportunity that we have. Man, we just need to tell God. We need to tell God. Everything that happens in our life, man, we need to tell God it's the most important conversation you'll ever have in your life. And every other interaction that you have will flow from that one. Will flow from that one. We come to God humble 
knowing he who he is and realizing who we are. May we come to God humble. I think people get prayer all jacked up. If you're coming to God with a list of demands, then you're doing prayer wrong. You're doing prayer wrong. You know, we talked about it this week with some of the boys, and they're like, oh, you can't pray wrong. And I'm like, yeah, you kind of can. But not like they think. See, these young men are trapped in the idea that they have to go, oh, holiest Father of God, who thou art thee and this and thine, and become like a, you know, 18th century, like, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know, pur- Puritan or whatever. And they're like spouting off like, like 18th century Puritan rhetoric. And they think that's what you have to do to pray. No, 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 no. No. You, you can talk to God just like you can talk to me. I can talk to God just like I talk to my brother Sean here, man. It's like, hey, man, I need, I need help. I need help. The only way that we can pray wrong is if we come to God with an arrogant spirit. That's praying wrong. That's praying wrong. If we come to God with a list of demands, that's the only way that you can really pray wrong. If you come to God with a humble heart, you can't do no wrong, man. You come to God with a humble heart, there is no such thing as praying wrong. If you come to God with a humble heart, then guess what? No matter what you say, no matter what you, you know, what posture you have, no matter if you're standing or kneeling or laying down on your face, it doesn't matter. If your heart is humble, if your heart is postured for prayer, then you cannot do it wrong. And so I want to encourage all of you here today. Maybe some of you guys think the same thing that some of these boys have been ministering to think. You think that you're praying wrong or or you can't pray because you don't know how or some of that kind of stuff, man. If you go to God in need, if you go to God humble, knowing that he is God and realizing that you're fully dependent on him, then you can't pray wrong. You can't pray wrong. It doesn't matter what you say. It only matters about the posture of your heart. Bible says this, man, verse 2, it says, Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Man, he's just trying to say that he's living for God. He's just saying, God, I'm just trying my best to live for you. And I'm having trouble along the way. And, and you know what? I, I, I hate when I hear these, some preachers say on TV and whatnot, and they're like, and if you make a decision today to follow Jesus... All your life's going to be rainbows and cupcakes. And you're going to tiptoe through the tulips every day, praising Jesus. They very wrong. They very, very wrong. Now, my Savior said, deny yourself, pick up this instrument of death that's covered in blood, and come follow me. And sometimes it's not going to be much fun. And a lot of times it's going to be real hard. And sometimes it's going to be messy. And sometimes it's going to be dangerous. And oh yeah, you might die. But if you do, you'll live forever. Can somebody say amen? So God, I'm faithful and I'm trying to be holy, but I'm having trouble. uh, Having trouble trying to be like you, God. And he knows. He knows. He knows. He knew it was going to be hard. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. He knew you were going to have trouble. He knew the sins you was going to struggle with before you ever started struggling with them. He's the only one that really truly understands what you're going through. But you know what? He knew you was going to struggle, and he sent his son to die for you anyway. 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 He said, I know Cody's going to struggle, but I'm going to send my son to get him. He said, said, I knew Amy's going to have some trouble with her husband especially, but I'm going to send my son to die for her. He said, I I knew that you were going to go through some things when you were trying to follow me. He said, I know you're not going to be perfect. I know there's going to be some days that you're going to sabotage yourself, but you know what? 
I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for you. God, I'm, I'm trying to be faithful, but, but I need some help. I need some help. Save your servant who trusts, who trusts in you. Man, we get to that point of trust, man, and we've done something, right? We get to that point where we can trust in God regardless of what's going on around us. And sometimes people are like, man, I don't see how you can be so upbeat. It's like you're, you've got black circles under your eyes and you look like you're dying. you got six kids at your house. You ain't got a spare minute to do nothing. I don't see how you can do it. It's like, man, I trust God. I'm just trusting God. And they're like, you don't look like you're trusting God. I am. I may not look like it all the time, but I am. I may look haggard and beat down sometimes, but you know what? I keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know why? Because I trust God. Because I know that he's with me on the mountaintop and in the valley. And I know he's with me when I'm tired and when I'm well rested. And I know he's going to be there with me in the midst of the struggle. And he's going to be there with me in them five minutes when I go, <sighs> I trust him. Trust him. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. I have my doubts sometimes where I'm like, oh, are you sure about this? But I get over it. Because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And that light at the end of the tunnel has a name. <laughs> that light at the end of the tunnel has a name. See, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made through Him, and nothing that was made was made without Him. And in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And this is my favorite part. And the darkness will never, when I say never, you say ever. Never, yeah. never, yeah. never yeah. overcome the light. Can you say amen? Yeah. Never. No matter how hard it tries. And the darker it gets, the brighter a little bit of light shines. Can somebody say amen? If we turned all the lights off in this room and it was pitch black and I struck a match, it hurt your eyes. Because the darker it is, man, the brighter that his light shines. Mm. Oh, yeah, I got a bunch more scriptures I get through. Hang on. Verse 3. I, I love this psalm, by the way. Verse 3. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call on you all day long. I call out to you all day long. All day long. How often should we pray? Yeah, three times, five times. No, man, one time. All day long praying. Praying. I love what Pastor Brent has said. He says, I don't like to say amen because that means I'm done talking to God. And I'm probably not talking to God because I probably need to tell him something else. I don't want to say amen. I don't like to say amen. It's like saying goodbye. And I was like, no, dude, it's not saying goodbye. It's saying let it be. The translation for amen is not bye or see you later. The translation for amen is so be it. So be it. So you can say it a whole bunch of times. So be it. So be it. I mean, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Pray all the time. Cry out to God. Man, tell God what's going on in your life. Tell God. Tell God. Before you call up your friend and tell them, tell God. Before you post it on the stupid social media, tell God. Before you come and tell me, man, tell God. Before you go and tell anybody, before you tell your people at work, man, tell God. Before you tell your kids, tell God. Before you look in the mirror and tell yourself, tell God. Because I'll guarantee you, if you tell God what you're fixing to tell somebody else first, it'll change what you tell the people around you. Ooh, everybody's like, ooh. That's not a clappy point, Pastor. That's tough. That's tough. 
Philippians 4 says this, in all situations, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray all day. Pray at all times. Never stop praying. The most important conversation you will ever have is with God. So why not make that the most prevalent conversation that you ever have in your life? I've already established that it's the most important one. So if it's the most important one, then why wouldn't you make it the most prevalent one? I mean, if, if you're wasting your time talking to other folks, why wouldn't you invest that time in talking to the only one that understands, the only one that has the answers, and the only one that can actually change anything? Can you say amen? Talk to God. Talk to God. Verse 4, you bring joy, oh, bring joy to your servant's life because I appeal to you, Lord. Too many people trying to get some joy out there in the world. Too many people going around trying to get some happiness from the world. Too many of us, including myself, I, I said some people, no, 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 I do it too. Too many of us going around trying to get the things that we need from the world around us. And you know what? The world will gladly provide it to you. We'll gladly provide it to you. But you know what? It's a Trojan horse because it might look good on the outside and it might seem like it's some kind of award on the outside and it might seem like it's what you wanted the whole time on the outside. But I guarantee you that that stuff that comes from the world on the inside, it's rotted and it's corrupted and it's tainted. And when you take it into your life, it'll spread that infection into your life. And then all of a sudden you're rotted and tainted and encrepted on the inside too. We need to find our joy and our peace and our love from God. From God alone. We need to find our peace from God, our joy from God, all of our happiness from God, everything that we need. Man, God, bring joy to your servant all day long. And, and the world's going to tell you, well, you're going to be missing out on stuff because you're not going to be able to do this and this and this and the other thing anymore. Dude, the things of God are so much more than the world can even comprehend. You know why the world thinks that the things it's got going on are better than the things of God? Because it can't understand the things of God. You see, the demons know that there's a God, but they can't understand the living God. The people out there in the world that don't know God as Savior and King and Lord and everything, see, they think that we're weird and peculiar because they can't understand God. They don't know what it feels like to come in here and, and hear Carly sing about the goodness of God and lift their hands to heaven and go, man, you are good. You are good. You are good. They don't know what that feels like. They know what it feels like to see your son come up and lay his face on an altar of the living God and cry out to the King of Kings. They don't know what that feels like. They don't know what it feels like to go to Nashville under a bridge and hand out food to somebody that can't never do nothing for you. They don't know what that feels like. They don't understand it. They don't know what it feels like to gain joy from the world and start there out there trying to get some kind of tainted, prostituted kind of joy. Some kind of joy that the world manufactures and produces and, and gives you, and it's all fake. It's all fake. You know, worshiping fake idols produces fake people. I preached on that last night. The only way you can ever be real is to turn your worship towards a God that's real. And that's the only thing that's ever going to let you find something that's genuine. God is the only way that you'll ever find anything that's genuine. Everything else in the world is fake. But God, man, he's real. I like that song that J.R. sings. Man, the, 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 he's more real than the air that I breathe. He's more real than the ground that I'm standing on. You know why? Because one day, though, probably not, there was not going to be any air for me to breathe. And one day, all this wood, is as good of construction as it is, some turbines going to eat it up. But the things of God are going to last forever. Forever. This is my favorite part of this whole sermon. Verse 5. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive. 
abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Wait a minute. Did it just say that he's ready to forgive? You mean like right now? He's ready to forgive? You mean he's not like certain people's spouses that shall remain unnamed that are like, look, I need a minute. I don't know why y'all are laughing. I said that they were unnamed. But it's, I said they were unnamed because it's probably most of y'all's. It's like, look, I'll forgive you, but not yet. I'm going to be in here. Yeah, she knows. I'm going to be in here. And you stay yourself in there, and then later this evening, maybe we can come together and work something out. But not right now. Not right now. And I'm like that too. I mean, I've got stuff going on in my life right now. I had that people pray over me, you know, last night because I've just got some. I want to react to some things in my life. And I want to just react, right? Uh, but I know I ought not to react. Uh, and I will forgive, but just not right now. But the Bible says that God is ready to forgive. That means there's no waiting period in between. That means there's no part where the living God says, Oh, no, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to be mad for a while first. I I'm going to direct my wrath at you today, and then I'll pour my grace out on you tomorrow. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says right here is that our God is abounding in love, and he's ready to forgive. When? Right now. Right now. He doesn't need a waiting period. He doesn't need you to go wait in the other room while he gets in there and works out his feelings and his emotions. He doesn't need to do any of those things. He doesn't need to torture you for a while while he's working out whether or not he's going to forgive you or not. He doesn't need you to come and beat your head against an altar. He doesn't need you to do lashes on your back like they used to do back in the day. He doesn't need you to do any of those things. He's ready to forgive right now. And so if you come to him with a humble heart right here and right now, man, he's ready to forgive. There's no waiting period. There's no mourner's bench. There's no none of that stuff, man. You come to, come to God, you repent. You repent, and I know that's a big old church word, but it just means to turn around. If you turn from your sin and go to the cross of the living God, and he's there, and he's ready to forgive right now. So if you've got something you're dealing with in your life, tell God. You got something you need forgiveness for? Tell God. Because he's ready. He's ready. i got to work through the rest of this quick. Verse 6, Lord, hear my prayer and listen to my cries for mercy. Verse 7, I call on you my day of dis distress for you will answer me. Do you hear that confidence? Now, now he's saying this is my day of distress and, and I'm crying out for mercy. But the Bible says you will answer me. King David knows that God will answer him. Now, if you read the other Psalms and you know about his life, he doesn't know what the answer is going to be. You understand? He doesn't know what the answer is going to be. He doesn't know if God's going to say, yeah, sure, man, I'll give it to you. Or no, dude, you're not ready for it. Or no, that's a stupid idea. He doesn't know what God is going to say, but he knows that God is going to answer. The God of heaven will answer every single one of your prayers. He never turns a deaf ear to us. He never turns a deaf ear to us. He hears every single prayer that we pray Man, he, pray, he hears every single prayer that we pray. You know what? He answers everyone too. Sometimes we don't like the answers. Okay, oftentimes. Most, most times. Most times we don't like the answers. But here's the reason why we don't like the answers. 
Well, I'll tell you in a minute. We'll get there. Verse 8. There is no one like you among the gods. And there is no one that does works like you. Ah. All the other gods that you can find to worship, there's none like our God. You know, like I said, fake gods produce fake people. You know what else? Idols can't forgive you. If you fail an idol, then an idol has failed you. Because an idol can't forgive you. So if you fail in your idol worship, guess what? You're up a creek without a paddle. And there's nothing that you can do to help yourself. And there's nothing that the idol that you've been worshiping can do to help you either. You know what? These things cannot help you. They can't. These things can't help you. You know what else can't help you? This stuff. It, it, it can't help your spirit. It might help you physically. It can't help your spirit. And so when these things fail you, guess what? You're stuck. You're stuck. But you know who can help you? You know who can do something for you? When you're stuck and out of reach and out of, out of whatever, man. I tell you this, man. If you fall down a hundred times, my God will help you up a hundred and one. If you fall a hundred and one times, my God will help you up a hundred and two. If you fall down over and over and over and over and over and over again, every single time that you cry out, Lord, help me, he'll walk across the top or whatever's trying to drown you and stick that nail-scarred hand out of you, out to you and pull you up out of it can you say amen every time every time for you are great and perform wonders and you alone you alone are God you alone are God This is his seat. It's not my seat. It's not the God of Mammon's seat. It's not all the people on social media's seat. It's certainly not my seat. It's not any other person in the world's seat, man. This is his seat. This is his seat because he alone is God. He's the only one that can understand what you're going through. He's the only one that has the answers you need. And he's the only one that can actually change anything in your life. So if you want your life to be different, Get up out of his chair. Get up out of his chair. And then tell him, Hey, God, all yours. You alone are God. Verse 11. Teach me your way, Lord. And I'll live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. And I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and honor you forever. For your faithful love for me is great, and you will rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. Teach me your way. Don't give me my way. Ooh. He ends this prayer with, teach me your way. Don't give me my way. Let me read this scripture again with a little bit more emphasis on certain words. Are y'all ready? Listen real close, okay? Teach me your way, Lord. And I will live by your truth, Lord. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. And I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God. I'll honor your name for your faithful love is great. And you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. Did you hear it? This is in the Old Testament. Did you hear it? 
way, truth, life. Dang it. I'm turning into Philip Tritt, dude. Hallelujah. Even in the Old Testament, they knew. He's on every page. Jesus Christ is on every page of this book. Psalm 86, a prayer of David. God, you are the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus Christ said, I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father said through me and thank Jesus that he gave us himself so that we could have that way when it feels like life is not enough tell God When it feels like life is too much, tell God. When you feel close to God, tell God. When you feel like that he's so far away, tell God. When you feel like that you can do anything, you better tell God. When you feel like you can't take another step and you can't go on, tell God when you feel healthy and whole tell God when you feel sick and broken like the pain won't ever stop tell God when you feel like you can overcome anything you better tell God When you feel like you want to give up right now, tell God. When the sun is shining and everything is bright and beautiful, tell God. And when the world feels bleak and lonely and dark and it feels like not even one ray of light is breaking through, the only thing that you can do is tell God. No matter what you're going through in your life, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's a triumph or whether it's a struggle, tell God whatever it is that you're dealing with. And tell God, because he's the only one that truly understands. You hear me? He's the only one that has the answers that you need. And he's the only one that can change everything. Tell God. It's the most important conversation that you will ever 